Welcome to The Strategic Investor. Join us as we interview some of the world's most productive asset managers and uncover sophisticated and unique investment strategies in the markets. Here is your host, Charlie Wright. Hello and welcome to Strategic Investor Radio on octalkradio.net, where we bring you investment strategies you are not hearing elsewhere. We'd love you to contact us at info at strategicinvestorradio.com, and you can go to our website to hear podcasts of any and all of our previous interviews and shows, strategicinvestorradio.com. Today is April 15, 2016, infamous day in all of our lives. This is Charlie Wright, and we're very pleased to be to have as our guest today, Guy. Benstead partner with Cedar Ridge Partners. They specialize in unconstrained credit investing. Guy talks to us from the Bay Area of California. Guy, welcome to Strategic Investor Radio. Thank you, Charlie. Glad to be here this morning. So, Guy, tell us who uh, Cedar Ridge Partners are, where you guys are located, uh, what you do. Sure. So, Cedar Ridge is a uh, Cedar Ridge Partners is a uh, uh, registered investment advisor founded in 2004. We're actually headquartered in Greenwich, Connecticut, and we specialize in uh, in credit products. Essentially, we're we're bond guys. So we have uh, about half the team uh, grew up in the municipal bond world. The other half the team in the corporate credit world, and so we uh, run strategies, both uh, 40-act funds and private funds and separate accounts that uh, that do deep dive credit work in those markets and look to uh, produce uh, superior returns uh, through relative value uh, uh, trading and relative value investing really in the U.S. Uh, corporate and municipal bond uh, markets. Okay, so deep dive credit investing. Describe that for us, will you? Well, we, our, our, our investment process is, uh, is a top-down approach. We do believe in uh, running our portfolios with an eye towards the state of the economy and the state of interest rate and business cycles. But, uh, but we, we also believe in, in a big value add from our security selection. So once we have our, our themes, we have uh, sectors that we are favorable towards, uh, we will then uh, look at specific borrowers in the markets, in the sectors that that we uh, that we like, and then uh, by deep dive, we're gonna we're gonna go into not just looking at uh, a company's overall or a borrower's overall posture, but we're gonna look at bond indenture provisions and relet provisions and senior secured uh, uh, positions that a bond may specifically have, and and then and then we we overlay that with the uh, with a long short mandate and. Uh, we, we run uh, some long only portfolios, but our 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 main portfolios are long and short. And so, what we have the ability to do is is look at the market very holistically. I know that's a much overused word, but we can do credit work that even though we may run across something that you know. You're always going to run across things that you like, things that are undervalued, things, boy, I really want to own that. But when you do the work, you also run into things that you don't like and things that are overvalued and management teams that are not bondholder friendly. And those become short candidates for us. So we get to do the deep dive credit work uh, on sort of, call it on sort of, sort of both sides of the coin. Okay. Now, Guy, uh, long short equity funds abound. Okay, and uh, they've been in existence since uh, the late 40s, I believe, if not longer. Uh, but long-short credit funds, there are very, very few of those. So how is it that you guys are doing long-short 
credit, especially in a day of potentially rising interest rates and such low yields? Yeah, so... um uh, well, potential rising rates is, is actually part of the rationale for having a long-short credit approach. Uh, I would say that, uh, yeah, look, let's just face it, our, our markets are equity-centric. Uh, you, you look at the news, look at the information, look at the number of funds, look at uh, the innovation over years, and it's equities, equities, equities. It's something that that uh, that our, our society is accustomed to understand. Um, bonds are oftentimes viewed as a uh, the, the, sort of the never never land of uh, of, of investing, and, and and also traditionally people have looked at their fixed income exposures as simply for yield, simply as a, a diversification away from uh, from equities, um, and uh, and I also think there's some structural components to the bond market that make it more challenging to run a long short mandate than in equities. The liquidity factors, you know, equities are extremely liquid. You could start a long short equity fund with half a million dollars if you wanted to. You, you, the, the, the bond market is much more institutional in nature from the trading to operations to uh, the brokerage accounts, just everything you need to have a bigger pool of assets in order to run long short credit. So, so it's, it's a more difficult uh, market to get into. There's also uh, let's say that over the years, it's not been a skill set that many people have developed. Uh, shorting bonds is a unique skill set. And I think that you know, we've been at it for 12, 13 years now. Um, we understand uh, the, the, the pitfalls out there. We understand what can make a short book work and, 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 and work against you. And I think finally, uh, shorting equities, there's certainly uh, you know, market price risk, but they're usually pretty inexpensive. Uh, there's you know, you've got dividend income or what have you. But bonds, when you short a bond, you're actually shorting that coupon payment. So you're incurring a charge to have that position in the book. So you, you better be right. And then what it really comes down to is you need to be able to structure the portfolio uh, to to – Produce the kind of returns on an on an ongoing basis that you want to generate, and um, I, I just think that it's it, it's a pretty new uh, it, it, it's a new way of investing, and I think being um, in this low rate environment, it's a perfect time for it to be to be coming up. Um, I think there's a lot of focus and attention coming out. Uh, Morningstar is about to initiate actually a long short credit category specifically for funds that follow long short uh, credit strategies, and I think that's a good thing. Well, I, and I'm sure that uh, you were really feeling that you were the odd man out here, and uh, you were probably uh, categorized in their long short strategy, and you were probably about the only long short credit strategy in there with the all the all the long short equity correct well I'll tell you a story back in uh, so we've we've been running a long short uh, strategy in a mutual fund since 2007 and 2008 uh, we were really I don't know the first one of the first uh, we think we, we, we had a lot of conversations with Morningstar and they'd put us in their long short you know, category and and I think Morningstar is a great organization that does a lot of a lot of things very very well. But when you look at derivative or alternative kind of strategies, there's you know, there's been some growing over there. And they had initially put us in a long short category. And you're exactly right. We were paired with, I think there were 82 funds in the long short 
category, and 81 of them were long short equities, and we were the only long short fixed income fund. So of course, it wasn't a good match for us, and it wasn't a good, uh, it wasn't very helpful for investors to be able to compare us with the peer group. And part of that was there wasn't much of a peer group back then. But since then, they came up with the non-traditional bond category. It had tremendous acceptance in the marketplace, including funds that we were running in there. Uh, became very popular and now has, I think, something like 140 or 150 different funds in it. Many of which are they're they're not they're, they do qualify, I would say, as non-traditional bonds, but they're not long short. They're not long short credit. They're very different in the way that they approach. They're certainly non-traditional, but long short credit is 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 just a different um, a different a different strategy mandate. I'll put it that way. And so, uh, you know, I've actually had a lot of conversations with the folks at Morningstar uh, about this, and it just it had become unhelpful for advisors to to identify uh, good opportunities in the alternative fixed income uh, fund space. And so, like I said, I you know we welcome this new uh, this new long short category that comes out at the end of the month. Okay, so tell us a little about your 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 portfolios. Um, I mean, first of all, I don't even know how people short bonds. Okay, is it something you 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 short and get out of a month later, or do you need to hold it for a long period of time? And about how many different um, positions do you hold at one time, both long and short? So portfolio composition, I think we're going to have about a, about a hundred different positions, line item positions. Some of those will be different bonds of the same borrower, both either long or short. Uh, you know, a handful of those are a variety of U.S. Treasury securities. So uh, not not a hundred different different issuers or credits in the portfolio per se, but line items. Uh, the way you sort a bond is the same way you sort a stock. We have to uh, go to a prime broker uh, and uh, request a borrow and make sure that we can locate the bond and borrow it at a reasonable cost. And if we can and it's available and there's liquidity to, to execute the trade, then we execute the trade. Our holding time for short position varies. There's no set rule on it. Um, they they can be either tactical or strategic. They can be uh, idiosyncratic or they can be a pair trade versus a long position we have. So the short book can serve a lot of different purposes. As far as the portfolio structure, it's really fairly straightforward. The long uh, our long book is going to be a combination of uh, of municipal bonds, corporate bonds, and preferred stocks, both uh, high grade investment grade credits as well as high yield. And the short positions are going to be comprised of, of of other corporate bonds that, like I said earlier, kind of fit our our criteria of being you know, overpriced, overvalued, uh, you know, more downside than upside. And then and then we have a tr- usually hold a uh, somewhat of a core treasury ballast uh, that gives us a pure interest rate you know hedge versus what we think the interest rate sensitivity is of the portfolio. Okay. Our portfolio is going to look a little different. There's something that may be a lot different from other long short credits. We we today have not used any credit derivatives. Um, derivative trading is a very uh, popular and common way for portfolio managers to gain short exposure, um, and then they can be either credit specific. But oftentimes, it's just a, um, a I'll, I'll like to use the word a beta hedge, where someone will. Uh, I guess the, I guess the analogy would be a uh, an, an, an equity long short manager, you know, picking their favorite uh, you know forty stocks 
and then shorting S&P futures against it. So you short the beta risk and try and isolate your, your credit risk. And I think that's also popular in the fixed income long short space. We take a little different approach. We use just actual, uh, you know, fixed income securities, uh, bonds, you know, this QCIP, and we do very QCIP specific, um, <coughs> portfolio allocations. Okay. You know, we need to take a short break. Why don't you hold that right there, Guy? We're talking with Guy Benstead, partner at Cedar Ridge Partners out of uh, Greenwich, Connecticut. You're listening to Strategic Investor Radio on octalkradio.net, and we'll be right back. According to the consulting firm Strategic Capital Allocation Group, every decade since 1900 has experienced at least one bear market, and several have experienced as many as three. So how do we protect our principal from these declines without missing the gains when prices rise? At Strategic Investor Radio, we interview asset managers with unique strategies designed to both protect and grow your investments. Investing is not rocket science. It's rocket fuel if you know how to harness it. For podcasts of our interviews, please visit us at strategicinvestorradio.com. And now back to Charlie and his guest. Thank you, Paul. Again, we're talking with Guy Benstead, partner with Cedar Ridge Partners out of Greenwich, Connecticut. And he's speaking to us from the Bay Area of uh, Northern California. So, Guy, uh, you guys have, as you mentioned, separately managed accounts. You have a mutual fund. Are your clients primarily institutions? Are they primarily um, uh, individual investors? Do you work typically more often with advisors or do you work directly with investors? Who are your clients? It, um, we spend uh, the, the typical client. Most of our, our investors are uh, are uh, financial advisors, wealth managers, uh, RIAs who are managing uh, your portfolios on behalf of their clients. Um, we have some direct high net worth investors and family offices, mostly in our private funds and separate accounts. But but the funds that we run, the mutual fund uh, uh, particular, has a pretty good following with uh, with financial advisors um with it's uh, we we are uh, added we've been added to a number of model portfolios so anybody who is running uh some kind of a model based portfolio the fund is actually popular there because the the return profile tends to be fairly uncorrelated to your traditional stock and bond market so uh anybody running model portfolios looking to add some uh Positive expected returns with diversifiers and an uncorrelated return profile, we tend to fit the bill there. I think that the institutional market has been slow to adapt a strategy like ours, uh, somewhat because, you know, as I mentioned, you know, munis is a, is, a, is a core asset class for us. Many qualified investors don't see the value in investing in tax-exempt bonds in a tax-exempt account, but we run things for total return, and we actually think it's a bit of an opportunity for for those types of clients to look at an asset class that's large and diversified and um, as, as a way to generate some differentiated returns. You know, I have to hand it to you guys here, Guy. Uh, you know, we've been in a 30-plus uh, year or uh, bull market for bonds because interest rates have been falling. And now we've come to a point that they can't fall any further. They're going to be rising. But 
But as we've all find, found out in the last uh, many months, uh, we don't know how fast they're going to rise, how far. And we don't really know uh, when they're going to start because they really haven't started yet. We thought they had started, but it was a, uh, a false start a few months ago. So you guys are really kind of treading new ground because nobody has needed to, to do this until the last several years. And if you started doing this in 2004, you were certainly on the forefront of this. And as we all know, everybody uh, has talked for years uh, if, about having a 60-40 or something similar to that investment strategy, 60% stocks, 40% bonds. And yet there have not been the kind of strategies you're talking about in the bond market. And again, partially because they haven't been needed because interest rates have been falling. So are people flocking to your fund? Are they very, very concerned about it? What kind of input are you getting from those who are are considering your, your, your funds? Well, I, I hear a couple of challenges. Uh, one is is the notion of, of actually generating some return out of a fixed income allocation. Yields, yields are extremely low. And if you're a fee-based advisor, you're charging your fee, and you're you know there's only so much yield in the marketplace, and you're generating a uh, you know a, a, if you put together a bond portfolio with a one and a quarter percent yield, and you've got a 75 basis point management fee, that doesn't leave a lot for the client. <laughs> so if clients are trying to generate even a four or five or six percent portfolio return. That that ain't gonna that ain't gonna cut it, and and so the advisors are looking for ways to generate better returns, differentiated returns out of their fixed income allocation, because otherwise the equity side has to they have to take so much more risk elsewhere, whether it's you know more risk in the equity portfolios uh, or some other kind of higher risk strategies, and and so I think you know people looking for ways to add return, and so that the the, the fixed income allocation they have actually generates some kind of offsetting, you know, uh, diversifying return profile rather than just buying, you know, beta. And I think that what, what we hear a lot of is, and I gave you a description of, of what we own, what, what we own, most of our clients already have in their portfolios. They own corporate bonds. They own high yield. They own municipals. They have interest rate exposure in, in, in treasuries or what have you. We just... You know, we're, we're, like, we're like a chef that puts the ingredients together in a different way. And just putting it together in a different way, especially with a short, a, a true short portfolio, which by definition has, has negative correlation to, to market indices, creates that diversifying and value added return profile that, 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 that they're seeking. And, um, you know, re- return is hard to come by, and so offering anything that has the possibility of generating those returns, because otherwise, again, again, we've seen a lot of high-risk strategies come into the fixed income markets, and they usually center around a lot of credit risk, or a lot of interest rate risk, or leverage, or what have you. And those those investments aren't inherently bad, but they're just you know, they, they they're in a bear market, they're going to go down. That's just that's just what happens when you run a short book and a short you have real short positions in your portfolio. You you have the ability to to insulate a portfolio return and nothing ever is, is perfect there's no perfect hedges but you but you got a shot at protecting the value you know when and if interest rates rise and we could have a whole long conversation about our rate outlook whether rates should go up or are going to go up and when they're going to go up but but that's part of the art of managing a portfolio like this 
Yeah, no question about it. You have uh, lots and lots of uh, struggles in front of you. Whenever I read of uh, CalPERS, uh, I, I, I think I saw recently that uh, they adjusted their expected return down to about 7.5%. And I think, how are they ever going to get 7.5% when the yield on bonds uh, is, you know, corporate bonds is, uh, you know, a couple of percent maybe. And then you've got uh, other issues, uh, the, 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 uh, the, the other alternatives that they're invested in, etc. And so they have got to have a portion of their income, uh, fixed income, in some kind of strategies like you're talking about. Um, So I would think that institutions would be very, very interested in this because they have to show an actual return. Yeah, CalPERS is a tough example because they're they're so big. It's pretty tough for them to to add a lot of value around around the edges, and 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 that's the one thing is you know strategies like ours. You you there's only if you want to really add value in a marketplace, you've got to manage the 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 size and scale of the opportunity set, and that's why you there there are some very very large players in the marketplace. We like our position. We're a smaller firm. Uh, We have uh, great capabilities. Uh, We can scale the business quite. Well, but we don't have the challenges that you know the Black Rocks or because not to pick on our competitors, but things that that are a challenge for other large investment houses. That um, the the, the Calpers is is in that in that camp where they will have to. Uh, it, it, it's tough. I mean, getting seven and a half percent out of uh, one of the largest pools of money on the planet when returns are are not there, it's it's it, it's it's a tough go. Yeah, no question about it. So, a question we always like to ask everybody here, Guy: What keeps you awake at night? I'll tell you what. What worries me about the markets now is how disconnected. Uh, so many investors are from real investment fundamentals. I mean, so much of our markets now are are uh, you know, you know, run by the activity is whether it's in, you know high frequency trading or algorithmic trading or or things that are model based and driven by things other than you know really peeling back the onion and finding out what's really going on and making uh, relative value and 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 our qualitative assessments. And so it's very easy, I think, for automated trading systems to get. You know, blinded by the 99 plus percent of the time when everything works fine, everything runs smoothly. But what worries me is that one percent of the time when when the system breaks and when you get uh, unintended consequences and volatility that flat that shows up in the marketplace and and the, the, there's no there's no hedging against that. There's no this there's no really so much planning for it. It just has to be part of the conversation we have with investors to realize that this is the market we're in today, but it, 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 it worries me that, that there's um, so much of our investment activity seems to be directed towards those types of approaches. No question about it, and Benjamin Graham's probably uh, turning over in his grave over all of the uh, activity that is non-fundamentally uh, focused here. So a question, the second question we ask of all of our guests is, what book on investing would you recommend for our listeners? 
So, yeah, I, I, I thought about that, and it's interesting. There's certainly a lot of good books out there, but the, 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 the thing that comes to mind that has value for me right now is, is not really so much an investment book, but uh, it's a book by Spencer Johnson from 1998 called Who Moved My Cheese? And, Charlie, you may have read that book, and it's yeah. all about human psychology and, and how we get so dependent upon things being a certain way, and then the world changes, and where we were getting our returns and our rewards and our successes just doesn't exist anymore and I think investing is is just like that and um, uh, especially these days the things that can generate returns and the thing that can, things that can actually get things rewards that we're trying to generate for our shareholders and our clients can just change uh, you, know, you know very quickly and um, and the other the other sort of piece to this that is important to me is you probably know the old uh, uh, adage about Wayne Gretzky about how why was he so successful what made him so great is he was always skating to where the puck was going to be. And so I think that to you know, think if you think about rewards and you think about the cheese and the maze, if the best way to be successful, I think, in investing is to figure out where's the cheese going to be next week, not where it is today, not where you – but actually get there before, the, before it arrives. Because, again, things move so fast that if you wait to know where it is – and try and look for it. You're going to find yourself, you know, in, in a crowded in a crowded trade. But I think the most successful investors are the ones that will, and will they will be there before the cheese arrives. You know, when you figure out how to do that, let me know, will you? Because uh, <laughs> we would certainly like to know the winning formula on that one here. Well, it, it, you know, again, you, it, 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 sometimes you're right and sometimes you're wrong, but uh, if you're right more often than you're wrong, that's how you win. Uh, yeah, no question about it. So, yeah, for those who want to know more, give us a website. Uh, so our website is very simple. It's uh, www.cedarridgepartners.com. Okay, and uh, give us uh, final words for our listeners here, Guy. Yeah, I think so. So specifically around what's coming up in the long short credit space. I, you know, I mentioned Morningstar is coming out with a new category. There's going to be even within the category, there'll be different approaches. There'll be different markets that, uh, that the different funds will approach. Where the ours is, as I described, you know, municipal corporate bonds. There's going to be people in emerging markets and people in in mortgages. There's going to be all kinds of different things in there. And I think long, you can't just take long short credit at face value. And 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 I my advice is that when looking at portfolio. Be sure to look inside the portfolio and what is actually in it. Because again, I could be you know long a certain risk profile and short a certain risk profile, long high yield, short treasuries, and that may sound like long short, but that may actually be more risk than less. And I think it's important for investors to to look at the offerings that are coming in the long short credit space and do a little deeper dive and to distinguish between um, between the different strategies. Guy, thank you very much. And again, we appreciate you taking time and visiting with us here today. You're welcome, Charlie. So we've been talking again with Guy Benstead, partner with Cedar Ridge Partners out of Greenwich, Connecticut. He's been talking to us from their offices out of uh, the Bay Area of Northern California. And you've been listening to Strategic Investor Radio on octalkradio.net, where we bring you investment strategies you are not hearing elsewhere. Again, we would encourage you to send us uh, an email at info at strategicinvestorradio.com. And you can go to our website to hear podcasts of all of our interviews and shows, Strategic InvestorRadio.com. I'm Charlie Wright, wishing you all an enjoyable week and productive investing.
You've been listening to The Strategic Investor, your source for compelling investment strategies from some of the most productive asset managers in the industry. For unique investment strategies, visit us at strategicinvestorradio.com. Investing is not rocket science.